four. You guys glad to be in church? Uh, you guys uh, thankful to be living here? Who wants to trade places in Africa and Malawi, Africa? That's where we got some young people right now. They're well, not anymore. They're actually where are they now? Chicago, almost to Chicago. No, they're in Chicago. In Chicago. Some yeah, and we don't know. We don't know. But but. Uh, We got staggered people coming in different times, and um, but uh, thank God, uh, as of right now, everyone is safe and sound, and they had a great time, and I'm not just making these numbers up, legitimately, uh, hundreds of people were saved, um, and they had a part in that, and it's, it's a blessing, guys, that we were able to, uh, some of you were able to give and support that effort and pray, hopefully you were praying for them too. Um, because I think the Lord uh, really, really blessed it. Uh, and I just, uh, to me, it's an amazing thing that God has allowed our church to be a part of something like that. Uh, it's, it's not an everyday thing, so praise God for that. Now, before we go uh, verse by verse, that's what we're doing right now. We're going verse by verse in the Gospel of John. Uh, but before I do that, I want to clarify some because uh, someone brought a question to me, and uh, they wanted to make sure that uh, that, uh, you know, there wasn't any confusion on the subject, or at least I did, uh, in regards to um, something that, that Dr. Gibbs said when he was here about the millennium. Now, uh, if, you, if you are a student of prophecy, a student of the Bible, uh, some things I'm going to share here are not necessarily earth-shattering. Uh, however, I, I want to explain that uh, as it relates to kind of God's timeline, if you will, we are... Uh, I love it when the kids make a sword out of my markers. It's great. Uh, you know you're in a good church when you've got kids running around everywhere, right? So uh, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, but uh, basically, here's, here's kind of where we're at. We are the church, and we are, we are uh, as the Bible describes it, uh, currently, prophetically, uh, we are in what the Bible calls the times of the Gentiles, all right? And uh, you read about that in uh, Daniel, and then you also read about the fullness of the Gentiles being come in in Romans. Now, if you're not familiar, I, I realize we've got people that have gone to Bible school here. We've got people that uh, got saved within the last month here. And so we've got a wide spectrum. And uh, rather than just say, uh, you all know this, I want to make sure I clarify some things. So uh, this term right here, basically, this is pretty much everyone in the room, all right? If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile as far as the flesh is concerned. Uh, Paul talks about three groups of people, Jews, Gentiles, and of course, the last one is the church of God. And if you're a born-again child of God, it does not matter if you're a man or a woman, all right? Now, it, it, it does matter as it relates to biology. We can't change that. But as it relates to your spiritual standing in Christ, God does not look at my wife as more or less important than me. Uh, if you're in Christ, you're in Christ, all right? Regardless of your race or gender or age or whatever else, uh, the Bible says neither man or woman, neither male nor female, uh, neither Jew nor Gentile in the body of Christ, all right, so as it relates to uh, the people that God ever addresses in the scriptures, it's going to be one of these three groups. Now, right now, what God has done is he says, I'm, I'm primarily uh, uh, dealing with this group right here. All right, and it does not mean that God is by any means done with Israel. Uh, God has a plan for them. And if you read, uh, you know, basically all of your Old Testament, I love it when someone's like, you know, I think, you know, uh, the church replaces Israel. You have not read your Old Testament. There's no way to read your Old Testament and believe that. Uh, and there's no way to read your New Testament and believe that, all right? Uh, God's not done with them, but uh, as it relates to prophecy, where we're at right now is the times of the, Gent of the Gentiles. Now, eventually, it's going to be the, what the Bible in Jeremiah chapter 30 calls the time of Jacob's trouble. And Jacob is another name for Israel. You might actually say it the other way around. Israel's another name for Jacob. Uh, and so you say, what is that? Well... That would be this group right here. All right. So basically right now, God's dealing with the church. The next major event on the calendar, uh, prophetically and doctrinally, would be the rapture of the church. All right. Where we get taken up and uh, no more IRS, no more taxes, no more bills. All right. <laughs> some of you are like, some of you are more excited about that than you are about to see the Lord. But that's okay. We're, we're glad about all of it. Right. Uh, but you get to see the Lord. Uh, no more sin. No more death. No more pain, no more strife, no more contention, no more divorce, no more uh, abandonment, no more abuse. I mean, the list goes on. I can't wait for that day. 
Can't wait. Can't wait. All right. So that that's that's. And when this happens, when this moment happens, the rapture of the church, according to first Corinthians chapter 15, you get a glorified body. According to first John chapter three, you're going to be like like Christ. You are going to see him and you are going to be like him, as the Bible says in first John three. And it calls us the sons of God. All right. And, and so you are given the spiritual likeness of Jesus Christ the moment you get saved. Something is broken inside of all of us before we're saved. Uh, and it's, there's a spiritual uh, 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 vacuum that's there. And the spiritual vacuum that's there is you've got something that was originally uh, made to connect with God, but it's dead. You're dead on the inside. And when you get saved, the Holy Spirit of God comes in and regenerates you and gives you life. And it's, it's almost like this. When you've got a phone and there's no SIM card, it's basically a brick, Right. When you're, when you're lost without Jesus Christ, man, the body's there, the brain's there, but spiritually there's nothing going on. There's no connectivity, right? There's no, you can't connect with the network. You can't talk to God. There's nothing going on there spiritually. So you get saved, and God gives you his spiritual likeness, but, but in eternity you're going to have the physical likeness, a body that will never sin, a mind that always thinks the right thing, a mouth that always says the right thing. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Now, now, now here's, the, here's the thing. We go up, the Bible says in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, uh, the dead shall be raised uh, incorruptible, and uh, so on and so forth. And the Bible talks about the fact that you're going to have a, a, a body, that corruption is going to put on incorruption, and mortality is going to put on immortality. And eventually, that's going to be the, the conquering of death once and for all for the believer. All right? Now, uh, that said, we are up here, and I know this is kind of sticky and kind of messy, so I've got three different sermons going on here, so sorry about that. Uh, but we've got the judgment seat of Christ going on in heaven while the tribulation goes on here on the earth. All right. Well, eventually the Lord comes back. And, and by the way, uh, there's a rapture that takes place for tribulation saints, not us. All right. There's a rapture that takes place for tribulation saints uh, kind of toward the end of that tribulation. All right. And that's another uh, message for another time. But we come back with the Lord and he comes on a white horse because that's what the hero does. Right. The hero comes in a, Now, I say that if you're under 30 years old, you have no idea. But if you're like, you know, in your 40s, 50s, 60s, remember all the old Westerns? The, the guy on the white horse was always the good guy, right? And so the guy on the white horse shows up and uh, the Bible says the armies that are in heaven follow him. That's us. So when we come back, we come back to establish a thousand year millennial kingdom. That's that's the reign of Jesus Christ on the earth. And he finally gets what's rightfully his. What God started back in the garden, all right, nearly 6,000 years ago, what the Lord started back here, he eventually gets it right here. When you pray for something and you don't get it right away, you know you got to stop and think to yourself, I haven't had to wait 6,000 years for it. The Lord's had to wait 6,000 years for what's rightfully his, all right? So when you get impatient, just remember that, all right? But when, when we come back to establish this kingdom, here's the question. Are there not people? Go to Matthew 25 real quick. Go to Matthew 25. Um, so, so here's one of the challenges, I think, for us believers, is that we forget we're not the only people in the Bible. That makes sense? That makes sense? Like, like we, we tend to look at everything is about the church and, and, and everything's about us. Now, I don't mean that to be, to, to be like, you know, uh, 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 facetious or anything. It's just in human nature, right? When you read something in the Bible, you kind of just automatically assume it's all about, about you. And, and that's a, kind of a, a thing you want to watch out for because, uh, as I mentioned earlier, sometimes God is talking to the nation of Israel. Sometimes God is talking to the nations as a whole. And sometimes God is talking directly to the church. So look at Matthew 25. When the Lord comes back to establish his kingdom, understand that basically what takes place um, uh, when, when uh, the tribulation goes into play, uh, basically you go back kind of to how things were before the New Testament. And the way God was dealing with people was you're a Jew or you're the rest of the world. All right. So the time of Jacob's trouble kind of draws a line and goes, OK, here's Israel and here's everybody else. All right, so what happens when the Lord comes back, now keep this in mind, the church is not on the earth when the Lord comes back. We are following him here to do that. We're following here, him here to establish that kingdom on the earth. So, so we are, we're coming back in glorified bodies that are sinless, all right? Uh, look, I'm 42, and I realize for some of you that's really old. Yeah. 
and, and I, I realized for others, uh, I, you know, Miss, I've told Miss Lenny, you know, I'm getting older, and she goes, oh, you stop it. You shut up right now. <laughs> You're young. You're young. You don't know what it's like to be old yet, you know, and that kind of thing. Uh, for some, I'm old. For some, I'm young. But, but I can tell you this. The longer that I live, uh, the more I realize, man, I, I can't wait. I can't wait for a, a glorified body. I can't wait for a body that, that doesn't ache. And look, I'm sorry. It's just the reality. I don't care. Some of you guys, like, like I'm looking at Johnny right now. Very guapo, very rico suave, you know. <laughs> l- let, me, let, me, let me just tell you, and he's still single, ladies, just saying, all right. But, let, but, but uh, that was for free, by the way. Uh, but but when, you, when you get to be 40, man, you're going to look at a burrito and you're going to gain five pounds <laughs> by looking at it, all right. Uh, something happens when you cross this certain threshold, and they call it middle age for a reason, right? You know what they call it middle age? Because all your age shows up right in the middle, <laughs> all right? So, so I just thought that right now. That was, the Lord, that was inspiration, man. Uh, but uh, the, I, it wasn't in the notes. That's all I'm saying. Uh, the, but the, the point is this. Uh, the, glor- the whole idea of getting a body that lasts forever, that was God's original intention way back here. Right. And sin messed the whole thing up. And the first Adam messed it all up. So the last Adam, 1 Corinthians 15, Jesus Christ makes it right. And he goes, okay, I'm going to give you every, I'm going to give you the fountain of youth. You ladies putting on your creams, you know, <laughs> and the masks, you know, and the lights that are on the mask. Sometimes it's scary. <laughs> okay. I, I've, I've, my girls, there have been times where I'm not making this up. Yeah. L- 11 o'clock at night, something's rummaging in the kitchen. I go out there, you know, and I you turn on the lights, you know, and it's a stranger with the mask on, you know, and it's my 18-year-old daughter, you know. But, but the, the, the thing is, all this stuff that you do to try to stay young, I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. Don't, don't walk it. Pastor said I can't put on me. I didn't say any of that stuff. Do what you got to do, sister. All right? Do what you got to do. All right? But, but I will say this. I will say this. All right? Uh, you're, you're not going to keep it young forever. It's, not, it's just not going to happen. I mean, as, okay, I'm sorry. I know I'm stepping into pop culture here, so some of you are going to... All right, but... Uh, uh, anybody remember Roseanne? Anybody know who Roseanne Barr is? Okay, okay, okay. Did you ever think, if I told you in 1991, Roseanne Barr will be more attractive than Madonna in 2023? <laughs> All right, would you think that's, you, that's impossible? We live in weird times, amen? It's one of the signs of the end when, when that happens, I think. It's in the original somewhere, I'm sure. But the, the idea is this, you're, you're not going to keep this young forever. It's eventually going to fade. All right? So don't put too much stock into it. That doesn't mean you shouldn't care about your body and take care of yourself. It just means don't make it the main thing. Because the main thing in God's eyes is what's on the inside. Now, you're going to get a glorified body, a body that doesn't sin. And uh, when, when you go up, that happens instantly, just like that. Everything you've been trying to do through the creams and the lotions and the masks and the working out and all that, it's going to happen just like that. All right? And, and so you get up there and you receive the things done in the body, whether they be good or evil. And then we come back down with them. Now, I don't, I'm not going to say I understand uh, this part, but like, is it, is it literally like, are we going to be up there and it's going to seem like a, just a moment, just like that, and then we're coming right back when it's actually been three and a half years of you know what on earth? I don't know. Uh, we'll find out. Stay tuned, right? But when we come back, here's the question. Um, are there not people that made it out alive? They're going to be going into the millennium that are on the earth. So you have to, when you read Revelation and you read uh, the Gospels, what you find out is this. God does not wipe out the entire earth and like we come back and like there's no one here. If that was the case, why would we rule and reign with him? What would we be ruling and reigning? There are people on this earth. Look at Matthew 25. And uh, what you read here is uh, what we call the judgment of the... Uh, the of the sheep and the goats all right look at the judgment of the nations if you will look at matthew 25 look if you would at verse number 31 when the son of man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory and before him shall be gathered all what not the church all nations all right and i'm not going to read the entire passage but basically what he ends up doing Right before, when he comes back, there's the battle of Armageddon, and he sets up his throne, and he sits on his throne in Jerusalem. And after that battle, he gets all the nations. Listen, the nations were already gathered against Jerusalem. 
And so what he does, he brings the nations in. He goes, okay, we're going to separate the sheep from the goats. And you go, well, how does he do that? Remember, if you read the rest of the passage, he goes like, it goes something like this. I was in prison and you visited me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. Remember all that? Uh, oftentimes people use that practically to talk about taking care of other people. And I'm not going to say it's always wrong, but that's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about doctrinally and prophetically is which nation was against my nation Israel and which nation was for my nation Israel. And he separates the sheep from the goats. The goats go out into everlasting torment and the sheep, guess what they do? They go into here, the thousand year reign of Jesus Christ. But you know what they don't have? You know what they're not promised? Something that's very unique to the church. They don't have glorified bodies that are sinless. Bingo. You know, do you, do you realize uh, the only time you're going to have to have that to dwell with God is out here in eternity? Up until that point, you got people that are living just like right now, working jobs, paying bills, all right? And, and now, look, can you imagine this? Imagine this. Your job, let's say, you're, let's say that you are in the millennium, but you got the job you get. Now, look, if you're saved, this is not how it's going to work, right? But just bear with the illustration. Uh, you've got a terrible boss, and your boss, you know, doesn't let you off for church. Right? Amen. There you go. You don't got to put in a complaint with the, the division of labor. You just go right to the Lord and go, Lord, uh, so my boss. And the Lord's like, oh, really? Let's go see that boss, right? And, and problem solved. All right. And so it's, it's going to be very, very different than how things are now. Uh, but, but understand this. There's going to be people on the earth who don't have glorified bodies and they're, they're not going to be in sinless bodies. They weren't promised a resurrection. They just get to go into the kingdom. All right. And so the 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 the, uh, the requirement for going to the kingdom, if you're one of the nations, is how did you treat the nation of Israel? And so if you make it in, clearly you did something right to make it through here or uh, those individual tribulation saints that were not taken up. They didn't take the mark of the beast. They didn't uh, worship the, the, the Antichrist and the image of the beast and all that. They make it in. But guess what? They don't have glorified bodies either. The, what the church gets is something that's very... That's why I want to hear Christians go, I wish I was back there to watch, you know, the parting of the Red Sea. No, you don't. No, you don't. You go, oh, no, I do. No, you don't. Trust me, you don't. Because within the same book, there's a guy that's picking up sticks on Saturday and he gets killed for it. Right. You sure you want to live back then? You know, like, I, I kind of like it right here where I'm at. <laughs> All right? Uh, and, and so the idea, again, just for those who maybe uh, thought that what Brother Gip was saying is that we are going to be, you know, uh, uh, not in glorified bodies and we have the potential for sin. That's not what he was saying. He was saying when we come back, there's going to be people here that will not have glorified bodies, and that's why we are ruling and reigning with him, and that's why he has to rule with the rod of iron. Look, if everyone's sinless, there's no need to rule with the rod of iron. All right. And so we're going to be uh, working with him, laboring with him, if you will, in the millennium to keep peace on this earth during that time. So hopefully that makes sense. I know it's a little bit of a, 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 a jaunt off of where we're at in the Gospel of John. So uh, go to John. If you have questions later, we'll, we'll try to address them. But go to the Gospel of John, chapter number four. Did that generally make sense? All right. Somebody like not a clue. No idea. Uh, we'll, we'll talk later. Right. John, chapter four. John, chapter four. And uh, uh, look, if you would, at verse number 35, John chapter four, verse number 35, John four thirty-five. Now, listen, the Bible says to study, to show thyself approved unto God. Uh, you know what that means? It's not for preachers. It's for you. It's for every Christian. God did not put 66 books and people shed their blood and the miracle of preserving every word just for us to read it. He didn't do that just for this elite group of people called pastors. He did that for every believer. And so it's, yeah, thank God. And so it's, it's on, but it's incumbent upon you to open this book up and read it. Now, you know, one of the most depressing things in the world, if you have an iPhone, it's Sunday morning when you get the report about how much time you spent on your phone. And then you go, I don't have time to read my Bible. Yes, you do. You do. Uh, you know what you do? You make time for what matters. So, it, man, you guys are real quiet today. <laughs> Brother Eric, you're right. It's kind of scary. Everybody out. Okay, oh, let's see here. Uh, so I just want to encourage you, though, uh, to read your Bible and study it because uh, there's no way. There just is no way to get everything God wants for you in two or three services in a week. There's no way. Uh, look at John chapter 4, and look if you would at verse number 35, John four thirty-five. Say not ye, 
there are yet four months and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit in the life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to, uh, I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which I testified. He told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them. And he abode there how many days? Two days. That's significant. We're going to look at that. And many more believed because of his own word. So basically what you have here, if you're, you haven't been with us the whole entire time, Jesus has dealt with this, this woman at the well, this woman of Samaria, and she's got her religion, right? That's how she's presenting it to the Lord. And he's bringing his religion. That's how she's dealing with it. And eventually the Lord shows her, it's not about the religion, ma'am. It's about uh, uh, they that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. And he showed her there was something lacking in her life. And he addresses her issues. And then she goes in the town and tells all the men. Why is she telling all the men? Because that's who she's closest to. And you know what, a little bit about her story when you read the Gospel of John. She's not exactly, uh, I'll say it like this. She's probably not the uh, poster child for like, hey, young ladies, be like this girl, right? Uh, and so here's this girl going back into town, talk to all the guys, and say, hey, guys, here's this man that told me all things that ever I did. And so they believed uh, on, uh, about the Lord just from hearing her word. But then they come and hear him talk by himself, and they go, oh, man. We didn't even realize how great this man was. And they believe on him because of his word, not just hers. Now, in the midst of all that, the Lord's giving some instruction uh, to his disciples. Uh, verses 35 to 38, if you go back, look if you would at verse number 31. What this has to do with is the fact that the, the disciples are like, Lord, you need to eat. You need to take care of yourself. Uh, you, uh, you know what they're trying to tell them? You need more self-love, Jesus. <laughs> Love yourself. Anybody hear that these days? Let, let, me, let me get something out of the way right now. And I, I mean this respectfully. I don't know. This plant might have to go away. It's been knocked down two times in the last couple of weeks. Uh, and it's by my kids, so whatever. Um, but uh, listen, you don't need to love yourself more. You do that already. Very well. You know how I know? Oh, by about noon, you're going to be checking your watch going, it's time to eat. Let me ask you this. When you get hungry, do you automatically go, oh, oh, Miss Florence must be hungry. We need, a, we need to help Miss Florence. No, you don't. You think I'm hungry. Am I right? All right. When, listen, when you're in traffic and you're going to be late. Yesterday, I'm pulling out of Starbucks. Yes, I was at Starbucks again. Pulling out of Starbucks. And this guy sees me pulling out. And rather than say, he, he looks at me, speeds up. Why? Because I got to get some. I'm going to be late. Get out of my way. My, my, my schedule, my time. You know what? You love yourself. You think about you more than you think about anybody else. A thousand percent. You will not convince me that I'm wrong about that. The book says so. We are wired that way. The, okay, if you don't believe that, go back to that nursery and ask those kids how their mom's doing. You know what they say? Mom who? My toy. My food. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. They're not thinking about anybody else. And you know what? We expect that from the little, from the babies. You know what you have to teach a kid? Please. Any, I love it when someone goes, oh, your kids are good. They just came out that way. No, they didn't. When they came out, we're like, can we send them back somewhere? Is there a return policy? You know what you have to do? You got to do some hard work and train your kids to not be brats. We got a generation that it's filled with brats, 40 old brats. They needed more time behind the shed. Are you with me? They needed someone to tell them your life is not, this world does not revolve around you. All right? The, the, the danger in raising a generation where mom and dad literally are practically slaves, taking them to softball and taking them to this and taking them to that, and basically living everything for the child is the child eventually believes by your actions that it's all about them. You know what's good? When a child goes, I'm bored, good, go outside and rake the leaves. You're bored? Make dinner. I don't know how. Good time to learn. You, you say, what is it? Well, I'm just being honest. By nature, you think of you first. Unless someone helps you and teaches you not to do that, i.e., when you get saved and the Spirit of God comes inside of you and says, hey, 
Let's think about other people. Unless you've got that going for you, or you've got a good parent that says, hey, think about other people. You don't do that by nature. Listen, when the disciples are like, Lord, you need to take care of yourself, you know what they're really doing? They're doing that so they can justify the fact that they didn't care enough about that woman to stop what they were doing and to deal with her. They left to get food, and the Lord cared enough to say, you know what? You guys go eat. I'm going to take care of this soul. You know why they're trying to get them to go, well, you need to take care of yourself? You know, Because they're looking out for themselves. You know what? I'm not picking on them. That's us. We're the disciples, <laughs> all right? And we love ourselves. You say, you say, preacher, no, no, I think the problem today is people don't love. No, 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 no. Let me tell you right now. I think there's a difference between uh, loving yourself and respecting what God's given you. Amen. You ought to respect the vessel that God's given you. All right? In other words, uh, this vessel of God should be holy. You should not defile it through the things you look at. You should not defile it through the places you go. You should not defile it with the things that come into your mind. This is God's property. And you ought to respect it as such. Does that make sense? Having some self-respect because of what God's given. Nothing wrong with that. But this idea you need to love yourself more. The Bible says, look at, uh, oh, 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. We'll come back to John. We'll get through maybe a verse eventually. I don't know. 1 Timothy chapter 3. You know why people get offended when they come to church? Because they're thinking about themselves. When you get offended, you're thinking about you. Sure you are. When there's a problem in your marriage, often, I'm not saying always, I understand some of you have some real challenges, merrily speaking, I get that, I'm not making light of that, but I'll just say generally speaking, when, when people are struggling in their marriage, oftentimes what it boils down to is, I'm thinking about my needs. Am I right about that? Right? Okay. And listen, when, when a child is acting out, you know what they're thinking about? Their needs. All right? When a Christian is, is offended with everything that's going on, listen, you know what the problem is? It is not all about you. And it's not all about me. Look at First Timothy chapter 3. And uh, that's a great passage, but that is absolutely not what I'm looking for. Uh, look at, uh, let's see here, First uh, Timothy, no, no, Second Timothy, Second Timothy chapter Three. Second Timothy chapter three. There we go. Second Timothy chapter three. Look if you would at verse one. This know also in the last days perilous times shall come. You see, how is it described? Man, they're gonna rip your constitution up. First Amendment gone. Second Amendment pew, 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 gone. You don't even know what the other amendment. You're just like, I want my first and my second. What's the third? I don't know. Right? But 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 you know it's bad if they take it away, right? All right, but let me just say this: the 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 God's description of the terrible times in the end is not is not described by you losing your rights. Here's how God describes it. You ready? Uh, look at verse number two: Men shall be lovers of their what? Self love. Me first. You next. Let me tell you something. Um, the world right now is preparing for things it doesn't even realize what's going on. Um, there are people that, I'll say it this way, that uh, spiritual wickedness in high places and principalities and powers and governments and things like that, that they'd like to just get rid of every Christian. Don't worry, you're going to get what you want. And we're going to be taken out of here. And when we do, you know what's going to be left? People with no spirit of God inside of them. And boy, you think things are tough right now? Wait until you've got people starving and there's no Holy Spirit inside of them. If you read the book of Revelation, you read what Paul writes about, boy, it's, it's, not, it's not a pretty picture. Here's what I'm getting at. You, the world is moving in this direction, self-love, 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 self-love. Why? You go back to becoming like an animal. That's the opposite of evolution. It's, it's just, it doesn't matter. I don't care. If I have to kill you to get what I want, that's what I'm going to do. Why? Because I love me. And uh, you look at the things that are going on, things that you read about in the headlines, you say, what is that? It's the Bible being, pro- being basically lived out. All right, so when the Lord is, uh, go back to Matthew, or excuse me, John chapter 4, when the disciples are like, Lord, you need to eat something. All right, the Lord's going to try to teach them a real valuable lesson. And one of the valuable lessons is, hey, uh, look, if you're going to accomplish anything that lasts and it's eternal in nature, uh, you have to learn to live beyond yourself. If you're going to do something that matters for the God in this life with the, the time that he's given you, all right, And, and I, I want you to understand, all of us that are believers, we're going to stand before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of the opportunities He gave us. Are you going to tell me legitimately that you don't think we're going to be held at a higher standard? 
than someone that's maybe in a third world country who has no phone, no education, uh, no internet, uh, no way to give any money. They're saved and they got basically portions of scripture and that's all they've got. And, and you're going to tell me, we're going to be held to a higher standard. We absolutely will be. How do I prove that from scripture? <laughs> to whom much is given, much shall be required. And so when we get there, you know what the Lord's going to look at? All the years that I gave you, all the technology that I gave you, all the opportunities that I gave you. You know what I'm thankful for this morning? I'm thankful for a, a full church in Sunday school, probably going to be more full during the morning service. But here's what I'm going to tell you. If every believer, every single Bible-believing Christian was a gospel witness for Jesus Christ and took advantage of every opportunity God gave them, guys, we would have knocked that back wall out about five years ago. You know, you know what it is? What it is is we get wrapped up in ourselves, and I'm busy, and I've got this going on. I've got to take care of this, take care of that. And the Lord goes, you know, sometimes just saying no to yourself and putting yourself last is a good thing. You might have more opportunity to reach others that way. And so the disciples are kind of, look at uh, verse 31. They're saying, Master, eat. And he goes on this conversation about how his, his meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work, verse 34. And that is the segue into, into verse 35 where he talks about this harvest. And he says this in verse number 35, lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are white already to harvest. He's basically saying, look, there's a sense of urgency that you can't leave stuff out in the field forever. It has a shelf life. You know what, uh, in recruiting, I've heard this before. Uh, you may have heard this as well. Uh, time kills all deals. The longer something sits on the shelf, the, 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 the less likely you are to take care of it. You know what I know? If someone's lost about Jesus Christ and you're here this morning, you go, I'll get saved later. You know what happens for a lot of people that say that? Later never comes. Right? And so as a Christian, God, the Holy Spirit will convict you about something and he'll say, you know what? I want to deal with you about that. And you go, you know what? I'll pray about that later. And I'll do that later. And I'll, I'll, I'll live for God later. And eventually, you know what happens? Man, there's a shelf life on that. He says, look on the fields, they're white already in the harvest. Now, he likens the harvest to, to two things. Number one, uh, a judgment. Uh, there's a, a look at, uh, we'll have you go to Revelation in just a moment. Uh, but there are two things that are connected with that term harvest. One is judgment and one is resurrection. All right, one is negative <laughs> and one is positive. All right, and that's oftentimes how the Lord does things. Uh, he goes, look, you can do this one of two ways. How about, how about this, guys? Over in Matthew 3, uh, he says... Uh, that the Lord Jesus, when John the Baptist describes the ministry of Jesus Christ, he says this, he'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost, positive, comma, and with fire, negative. You see why? You can do this the easy way or the hard way, but it's going to get done either way. God is going to be proven right in the end. The question is, which, how, how do you want him to prove himself right? Do you want him to prove himself right by the fact that you're judged eternally? Uh, and, 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 or do you want to have him prove that he's right by the fact that you get to enjoy his love eternally? Either way, he's going to be proven right. The question is, which side of that are you on? And, and, and so as it relates to this, the Lord talks about this harvest, and he goes, hey, you guys are looking out there going, we got more time. We got more time. We got more time. In other words, it's probably summertime, and the Lord's going, hey, you're saying in four months, it's time to go ahead and take care of this field. The field's white right now. Uh, you look at uh, wheat and how it produces, and basically look at that, the, the, you'll, it'll, it'll change that color. It turns almost like a white color, and when the sun hits it and the wind blows, man, it looks white, like a sea of, of snow, almost just waving back and forth. You say, what is that? The Lord's illustration of the fact that, look, the people aren't going to be here forever. You've got a limited time with people. You're not going to be here forever. You've got a limited time as well. And let me say this, for, for those that are maybe on the younger side of life, you're going to convince yourself, I've got time later, I've got time later, I've got time later. And there's a lot of us that are a little bit uh, more advanced in experience in age. Is that how we want to say it? Not old. All right. Uh, we'll just say it. We're old, right? We're getting older. And as the older we get, the more we realize, I thought I had all this time. And it just slipped away. And he says, the fields are white right now. In other words, it's not time to sit back. It's time to engage. All right. And, and so the Lord likens this harvesting to judgment or to resurrection. Look, if you would, at Revelation. Go to Revelation. Uh, chapter 14, Revelation chapter 14, Revelation chapter 14, this is the, uh, the negative connotation, if you will, and we'll look at the positive one here in a moment, Revelation chapter 14, see the Lord looks on the fields, he goes, judgment's coming, it's time to do what we can to reach these people before judgment comes, uh, Revelation chapter 14, and uh, look if you would at verse uh, number uh, 15, 
And another angel came, I'm sorry, verse 14, and I looked and behold a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, that's the Lord Jesus himself, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp what? What do you have a sickle for? You're going to reap, you're going to harvest. All right, look if you would at verse uh, 15. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice, in that sat on the cloud, thrust in thy sickle and reap, for the time has come for thee to reap. For the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in the sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. Another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. Another angel came out from the altar, which had power over fire, and cried with a loud voice, in that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. Is this negative or positive? Look at verse 19. Watch it. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth, and gathered the vine of the earth, and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. You know what's amazing about this? Again, you can choose. This, the choice is yours. He says, I'm the vine, ye are the branches. Amen. And you can bear fruit unto life eternal, John chapter 15, or you can become a grape of wrath. Choice is yours. You say, what is it? He's going, hey, judgment's coming, judgment's coming, judgment. The Lord's warning them, saying, hey, let's do something before we get there. All right? Uh, we call that uh, preventative maintenance. Now, the way that one of my daughters drives, maybe both of them, I don't know, drives their cars, uh, there's smoke coming out, and there's lights dinging, and I'm like, did you notice? Oh, yeah, it's been shaking for like a month and a half. <laughs> Why did we not do this earlier? Well, now it's not running. I just figured now it's the time. I'm like, yeah, I guess like, we got it. Now we have to tow it. Now judgment is coming, Right. Uh, and, and so uh, you ought to do things before, you, before the judgment comes. The Bible talks about a wise man walking circumspectly. All right? In other words, when you see trouble, don't just run right into it. Go around it. You know. Uh, and, and so the idea is this. The Lord is going, hey, I want to reach these people before the judgment comes. All right? Now, uh, let me give you this. Uh, look, if you would, at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, ju- uh, uh, the harvest is also connected with uh, the resurrection. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, look, if you would, at verse number 23. Uh, verse 22, go back one verse. For as in Adam all die. Now, you're, if you're here today and you're not saved, understand this. The, 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 the question is not, are you Baptist, are you Catholic, are you Mormon, are you Methodist, are you an atheist? Are you? That, that's, it's not the question. It's not the question at all. You know, the question is, are you in Adam or are you in Christ? That's it. So he says this, in Adam all die. You know what you're promised? Once you're born, you're going to die. All right? And that's a fact. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Now watch this. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ's at his coming. When he says the firstfruits, why would he say that? Well, if you go back to the Old Testament, here's what you find in Jewish law and custom, they've got the first fruits. You say, what is that? Man, right, right off, the first, uh, uh, literally the first fruit of the plant that's being produced, all right, you gather some of that and you present that to the Lord. Before the rest of it's grown up, before the rest of it's all matured, and before the real harvest is there, you get the first fruits and you go, God, this is yours. It's a great picture of how to live your life as a Christian, all right? God gets the first not the leftovers, all right? So the first fruits, all right? Then there's the harvest, and last, there's the gleanings, all right? Now, for sake of time, I'm not going to go through all the scripture, all right? But the first fruit is Christ, the harvest is the church, and the gleanings would be those that are saved in the tribulation, as far as God's calendar is concerned. Now, why does he say that Christ is the first fruits of the resurrection? Look at Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. Why is Christ called the first fruits? Because, look, we are going to follow after his pattern. You are going to get a glorified body. You are going to experience the resurrection, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, all right? And you're going to experience that before, uh, before the great tribulation. All right, but why do you experience that? You experience that because you follow after Christ. Christ has already been through this for us, laying the pattern out. Look at Matthew chapter 27. 
Matthew 27, look if you would at verse number 50. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. Now, that's, can you imagine that? I, I wonder if God left just a little bit of the bottom undone, just to prove that it happened from the top to the bottom. You ever think about why that is? I think the Lord is trying to show it wasn't man that did this. It was the Lord himself from the top. He just starts ripping that thing down. And you say, what was that veil? It was the thing that stood between the people of Israel and the Holy of Holies. The only one that could go in there was the high priest. And if you wanted to have a chance, you wanted to have a shot at, at getting anywhere near there, you had to have a high priest go in for you. You couldn't go in. Well, guess what? Now, because Jesus Christ is our high priest, we can go boldly before the throne of grace. Right? Whether you're a Jew or Gentile, doesn't matter in God's economy. So the idea is this, the Lord does this, but watch. Look at verse number uh, 52. After the earthquakes in verse 51, look at verse 52. The graves were what? And many bodies of the saints which slept arose. Now, when did this happen? If, if, you, if you're not careful and you don't read verse number 53, you might think this happened right at the, the crucifixion. It doesn't. You know when this happens as far as the graves being opened? Look what it says in verse 53. <laughs> verse 53, when did this take place? They came out after his resurrection. Why? Because Christ, listen to me, is the first fruits of the resurrection. And so what you have is you've got him rising first. And there's a, a remnant of people that do it with him for 40 days and 40 nights. Can you imagine that? Imagine, you know, zombie type stuff. The graves open up and someone's walking around. It doesn't say they had a glorified body either. That's, that's another story for another time. But someone's walking around kind of like mummy, zombie looking. And you know what they're doing? They're quoting scripture, telling you what's going on. Let me tell you something right now. Uh, I, I'd, I'd be a quick convert to Christianity if I saw that. And you know what's going on in Jerusalem? People murmuring about, well, I heard about that Jesus guy, and, you know, he's dead, but some say he might be, he might be alive. You know, his disciples, we think maybe they stole his body and blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, you know, you're at the you know, Jewish version of 7-Eleven, and in walks in a dead corpse. I want some coffee, you know? <laughs> I, I don't know. What would he say? How would, what would happen? You, know, you, don't read, you read the Bible, you don't think about it. Like, this guy walks up, and you're walking down the street, you know, what is he going to say? I don't know. Hey, good morning. Hey, good morning. I don't know. How does that go? I'm not sure, but I know this much. They're walking around for 40 days and 40 nights. And you know what they're a part of? They're a part of following Christ as the first fruits. Well, what is that? Uh, that's a term that's used to refer to, it's an agricultural term. And it has to do with, with planting seeds and then watching them grow and then bringing up the first of that crop before the Lord. And then after that, they that are Christ, 1 Corinthians 15, uh, they that are Christ after his coming. At, at his coming, excuse me. So the idea is this. Uh, when he talks about the harvest, go back to John 4. The field is white already to harvest. He's talking about people. Uh, you might remember one of the parables. He says the field is the world. World. Now, watch it. The Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If a man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Right? And then... John chapter 3, for God so loved the world. Well, we've been through this before. When it says God so loved the world, what's he talking about? The, the world system or the people? The people, the souls that are there. So when you see this harvest, what it is, is it's, a, it's a field. It's a picture of people, and, and they're white already. In other words, it's time to go and present truth to them so that they can be part, listen to me, of the resurrection of life versus a resurrection of judgment. Uh, I'm going to skip some of what I had on the board, but go to Revelation chapter 20. Let me show you. I told you to go to John 4. I'm sorry. Go to Revelation 20. Revelation chapter 20. This is called uh, scriptural ADD. All right. All right. Look at Revelation chapter 20. And uh, look, if you would, at verse number 11. Verse number 11. Now, what you're reading in Revelation 20 is actually something that is foretold by Daniel. And uh, Daniel talks about some that would rise to uh, everlasting life and uh, some that would rise to everlasting contempt. Now, I'm not going to have you turn there for sake of time, but in Daniel 12, verse number 2, it says, Many of them that sleep, that means their bodies are dead, they're asleep, many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame, 
and everlasting contempt. This final judgment, if you look at the board, the last event, the great white throne judgment, there on the far, on your far right. All right, uh, look if you would at verse number 11 of chapter 20 of Revelation. I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from his face, the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works. You say, what is that? Well, what that is, is that's that last resurrection. And let me tell you something. I, I really, if, if you're a gambling person, you know where you want to take your odds? You want to take your odds right here. You want to be part of that resurrection. You, you don't want to be a part of this one up here. Because you know what happens in the Old Testament? Basically, here's what happens. There's Abraham's bosom, and then there's hell. The Lord comes down. He takes these that were in here, brings them right back up. Forty days, forty nights, there's people, bodies of the saints which slept arose. Then Jesus Christ goes back up to heaven, leaves the church here, tells them how they can be saved. If they trust him as their savior, they can be part of the church, the body of Christ, and they'll be given a promise of an everlasting life with a new body. He takes us out of here right there and then. That's your chance if you're here right now. That's your chance. You go, well, I don't believe any of that stuff. Man, it's free country. Believe whatever you want to. If you want to believe, uh, I mean, listen, there's, I believe, I, I am an American, truly. I, my dad fought for this country. I believe in freedom. If you want to believe that billions of years ago in a galaxy far, far away, uh, there was an explosion that, that took place randomly. No one knows why or how or who or what, but an explosion took place. And out of that chaos and out of that randomness came all the structure that is in the universe today. And that's your fancy. Knock yourself out. Uh, if you want to believe that, that God... Uh, the way that God operates is he's going to have uh, heaven opened up and it's going to be for you to enjoy your concubines in heaven, 70 virgins, whatever. Knock yourself out. All right. Believe whatever you want to. Uh, as for me, I believe that book right there. And you know what that book says? That book says that if I place my faith in him, I can avoid that final judgment and I can be part of this resurrection. I can I can enjoy this resurrection so that I don't have to be part of that judgment. You know why? Because basically what God did, the Bible says the Lord laid on him, on Jesus Christ, Isaiah 53. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. In other words, guys, in so many words, what the Lord does is he takes all of our sin and he takes all of our baggage and all of our trouble. You know what he does? He puts it on Jesus Christ. And the judgment of God falls on Jesus Christ. You're welcome to sit right there just for the time. Sorry about that. Yeah, I'll, I'll, make, it, I'll make sure I don't get real close. So I'll, I'll be all right. uh, he's a first class. He, he paid a lot for this seat, guys. Don't, uh, but uh, anyway, yeah. uh, for those in the back, if you're jealous, he'll, he'll trade with you next week. All right. But, uh, but the idea is this, guys. The idea is this. Either you take the judgment on yourself or you let Jesus Christ take it for you. And uh, what the Lord did is he said, hey, look, now that I've taken that judgment for you and you're a believer, look around you. Look around you. Guys, we live in a city of, uh, well, if you take what they call the Boulder-Lakewood-Aurora Corridor is what they call it, right? It's kind of a conglomerate of the Denver metro area. Three and a half million people. You think most of them are believers? Probably not. You know what that means? You've got plenty of job security. When you go to the grocery store, when you're at work, uh, and, and listen, can I encourage you to do something? Get your head out, get your head out of Instagram and Twitter. Or, I'm sorry, X, X, no longer Twitter, X, whatever it is. Get your head out of all that stuff, and, and quit looking at people as rich, poor, black, white, liberal, Democrat, Republican, conservative, and just see them as souls. Amen. And and realize that all that other stuff, man, that, none, that stuff doesn't matter. You know what matters? What matters is eternity. And, uh, and so I know this is kind of a mess right now up here on the board, but hopefully what you're able to see is the Lord had a burden for people. He had a, and I don't, I'll be honest with you, I don't get it. I don't. I don't. You know, I don't get it because I don't know half the stuff God knows about you, and I have a hard time loving you like I should. Oh, preacher, I thought you loved me more than that. <laughs> okay, let's turn it around. You have a hard time. Loving people like you ought to, knowing a fraction of what God knows about them. 
And God saw you with all your inconsistencies and your hypocrisies and your sin. And he said, I still love them enough to die for them. So, so the reason why this commission matters, go to, go to uh, Acts chapter 1. And we'll, we'll close here, Acts chapter 1. I said, we'll close here. That's kind of a lie. I'm going to have to go to 1 Corinthians 1 after that. But then we'll close, I promise, after that. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Uh, look, if you would, at verse number, verse number 8. But ye shall receive power. You know, God doesn't want you to be a powerless Christian. He wants you to have power. All right, now, the power that you have is not necessarily like the power to make millions of dollars. Like that's, that's the modern Christian way of looking at things. What can I get out of, out of this? And it's more about what God gets in his glory out of us. And, and he says, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be what? The power you get is to be a witness. It's not to be a wealth maker. Now, look, if God's giving you riches and he's taking care of you, praise God. I'm not saying riches are bad. What I'm saying is this. The modern ideology for Christians is what can I get on this earth right now? It's not about what you get right now. It's about what we're getting up there. Right. And so he says you should receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Question, are you saved this morning? Yeah. You know what that means? The Holy Ghost is inside of you. So you know what that means? You've got the power right now to be a witness for Jesus Christ. You know what's real easy to say? Well, I never went to Bible school. Guess what? Moses didn't either. I can go through a lot of people in the Bible that didn't go to Bible school. I, you know, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. Well, join the club. You know, I, don't, I, don't, you know, uh, I, I didn't know all this stuff about you know, the Bible before. Look, 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 let me ask you a question. If you're saved, do, do you understand that you were once lost and now you're saved? Can you tell somebody about that? All right, then, then, then do that. You say, why? Because the fields are white already to harvest. First Corinthians 1, and we will be done. First Corinthians chapter 1. First Corinthians chapter 1. And Brother Eric, uh, we will, uh, we'll start at about uh, 10 after. First Corinthians chapter 1. First Corinthians chapter 1. And look, if you would, at, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 3. Excuse me, chapter 3. Forgive me. Chapter 3, look, if you would, at verse number 5. Who then is Paul? Who's writing this book, by the way? Paul. He's challenging them, going, who am I? I'm a nobody. Who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but what? L listen, it, when you go out into the harvest, it's not about, look at me, look at it, I'm the greatest, I look at all that I'm doing. It's, it's about, look, I got, you know what I feel like when someone gets saved here? I didn't have to do the heavy lifting. Someone prayed, someone invited, someone may have argued with someone, and eventually they come to church, and I get the privilege of leading them to Christ. All I did was take a, I got the, ice, I got the icing on the cake. That's what I did. I didn't do the hard work. Somebody else did that. But you know what? At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. You know why? Because God goes, hey, regardless of all this, I'm the one that gives the increase. Amen? Now look, uh, if, you're, if you're not involved in the harvest, get involved today. All right? Let's all stand. We'll have a word of prayer. Take a 10-minute break. Get some coffee. Stretch fellowship one with another, all right? And uh, uh, we'll start at 10 after. Brother Eric will lead us in our first song. Uh, Father, we thank you so much for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be here. Uh, God, thank you for the chance to study your book. And uh, Lord, uh, I pray that what was uh, reviewed today, Lord, even the question that was brought up earlier about, uh, Lord, future events and prophecy and all that, I pray that all that would make sense. And Lord, I pray you just bless what we've learned. Help us to, Lord, not just take the knowledge, and, and, but to do something with it, Lord, to, to enrich somebody else's life with what we've been given, Lord. I pray you help us to do that, and then we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We'll take a break there.